Thank you. So I want to start off this morning uh, by asking you guys some questions. I have a short quiz for you. I want to see how smart our congregation is here today. Okay, there's only eight questions, um, and these questions are for people who know everything. Okay? Okay, so um, question number one is this. Name the one sport in which neither the spectators nor the participants know the score or the leader until the contest ends. Raise your, who's, I was just going to say raise your hand and I will call on you, but you said what? It's not golf. Boxing. It's boxing, right? I never really watch boxing. That's one sport I don't really care for, which is kind of hard to believe. My wife's going, really? You're not? My wife says if spitting was a sport, I would be interested in watching it on ESPN. But uh, question number two is this. What famous North American landmark is constantly moving backwards? Yes, Niagara Falls. Very good. Now, these are not trick questions, by the way. These are actual questions with real truthful answers. Of all vegetables, only two can live to produce on their own for several growing seasons. All other vegetables must be replanted every year. What are the only two perennial vegetables? Asparagus, which I love, And rhubarb. I did not know rhubarb was a vegetable. I always thought it was a fruit. I didn't realize. So, hey, could I have a vegetable for breakfast? Have a piece of that rhubarb pie. Thank you very much. (laughs) Check. Vegetable. Um, Number four, what fruit has its seeds on the outside? This is kind of easy, actually. Yes, strawberry. Only three words in standard English begin with the letters D-W, and they are all common words. Name two of them, and they're not proper names. Dwarf, good. Dwell, and there's one more. Dwindle. Wow, you guys do know everything. Um... Okay, this one's going to be a little bit more difficult in this group. There are 14 punctuation marks in English grammar. Can you name at least half of them? Go. Exactly. Yeah, I... Okay, let me just name them for you. Okay. Um, Period, comma, colon, semicolon, dash, hyphen, apostrophe, question mark, exclamation point, quotation mark, brackets, parentheses, braces and ellipses. Now, in today's culture, you would also have to, though it's not a punctuation mark, include all caps, right? Yeah, anyway. Um, You don't want to type out an email to somebody with the caps locked down. They won't receive it very well. Um, All right, number six. Number seven, that was number six. Name the only vegetable and fruit that is never sold frozen, canned, processed, cooked, or in any other form except fresh. There's two. It's not celery. You can get canned and... Watermelon and lettuce are the two. I mean... Yeah, cabbage, but, but you, can, you can buy canned cabbage... Sauerkraut. Oh, I love sauerkraut. 
for any of you out there that make homemade sauerkraut and like to can it, maybe, you know, drop off a jar or two in my office. That would be great. Um, Number eight, this is the last one. Name six or more things that you can wear on your feet beginning with the letter S. Ah, I heard skis, good. Slippers, yes. Shoes, socks, sandals, sneakers, slippers, skis, skates, snowshoes, stockings, and stilts that are in this list. Are there any others? Stickers. Yeah, you can wear stickers. Very good. So here's the point. All right, I'm asking you questions, but in life we all have questions. Um, And we all should ask questions when we don't have an answer. Although today, we don't so much ask questions anymore as we Google things. Right? I mean, I... All the time, I use Google a lot just to to find out answers to questions. But I've, I've always said that the... And I've heard it said, and you've heard it said, that the only bad question is what? It's one that's not asked. And a month ago, we said, hey... Church, do you have any questions about spirituality? Do you have any questions about Jesus? We started at Easter, and we went for a few weeks after that, and we had about a dozen questions asked, and we we sorted through those and went, okay, here are essentially five questions that, that we're going to tackle on Sunday mornings, and these are your questions. These are questions that you have. And Uh, The unfortunate thing, I think, is when people have questions about God or Jesus Christ or spirituality, in some ways they're afraid to ask them because they're afraid that in asking that question, if it's something that they don't know, they're sort of fearful that it's it's probably there's a common answer and I'm going to be, I'm either going to feel like an idiot when the person answers this to me or they're going to just make me feel that way or they're going to judge me in some way, shape, or form. And unfortunately, that can be true with some conversations that we have. There are people out there, I'm sure no one in here, but there are people out there that when someone asks a spiritual question or a question about the Bible and and they're truly seeking an answer, that they're afraid to ask it because they feel like they're going to be judged in some way, shape, or form. Um, Christians, I think, are afraid to ask questions sometimes because they're like, well, if I if I ask this question, this person is, is are they going to question my salvation? Are they going to, are they going to make me, you know, seriously, we all have doubts and we all need to be willing to ask questions. Um, one of the things we also need to be careful of is that we ask the questions and we listen to answers that come from credible sources. Because you can pose questions to Google all day long. You can, hey Siri, um, you know, whatever, and you're going to get a list of a thousand websites that you can go look and and we need to be cautious that we're getting the answers from people that we trust um that we're just not grabbing number one and saying well that's it right because that's a really dangerous you see stuff posted on facebook like that all the t- all day long right um today the term for that of course is fake news right? It's just not real. But sometimes if we're looking for a specific answer or a specific justification for something, we can find it there and we can say, well, see, so-and-so said that that's true. Well, all right, well, let's look at what else so-and-so said, you know, not just the answer to that question. So um, we're going to be asking and answering these questions. Now, the question today that we're, we're going over is uh, a, a, a question that was specifically asked in this way. This is how the question was phrased. 
When God made us in his image, what image was it since he was not a man yet? Because in Genesis, it says, God says that he created us in his own image. And this person I know is thinking, well, Jesus didn't come until much later to the earth. So, so um, you know, he didn't take on human form. So what image is this? And, and so we're going we're gonna, to, it's a great question. And it's a question that I'm going to answer today, this morning in broad brushstrokes. Um, and one that you're going to find and that I found is, is kind of uh, mysterious, actually, a little bit. So um, if you look up here on the screen and in your notes, you can write these down as well under the introduction. Genesis chapter 120. There's three places in the Bible, two in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, where it specifically uses the phrase created in the image of God. Okay, Three. Genesis 1.26 is the first, and it says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So that's the first verse in the Old Testament. The second one is found in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, and it says this, Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Okay, that's verse number two. The third verse in the Bible that talks specifically about the image of God is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The God of this age, little g, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay, specifically in that verse, talking about Jesus Christ being made in likeness to it, it being the image of God. So the initial struggle that I had this week in, in, in re-looking at this is the fact that, that God doesn't really give us specific details. God, God says that, that he created us in this way, and he doesn't go on to say, and that is like this and in this way. It just says that we are. That, that we are created in his, I mean, who wouldn't want a specific list of examples, right? That's how we live in our culture. We want answers to everything, and we want to know it right now today. There's no wonder, I, I wonder what that is, or I wonder, it's, again, I'm, at my own experience, get the phone out, ask Siri, look it up on Wikipedia, probably has some post about it, whether that's all true or not, who knows, I wonder who edited encyclopedias, right? We would think that encyclopedias, well, that's... Does anybody still own encyclopedias? Uh, a few. Do you still go... Do you still look them up? Do you go to an encyclopedia and look things up? Stan uses it all... T- what do you use, Susie? <laughs> there you go. Stan Google Spechner. Right there. That's his middle name is perfect. You know, but oftentimes that's how we live, right? We don't often wonder. We want to know the answer, and then, and, and then there's just no awe about things. You know, I'm actually now interested, after asking that question about the, the national landmark, I'm wondering, well, I wonder how far Niagara Falls recedes every year. How, how much is really getting eroded off of that thing? And, you know, is it going to end up in, like, New York State someday? Where is it, anyway? It's headed to Canada. Is that right? 
Okay. All right. Yeah. See, I would have to Google it to really, to really. When it hits Michigan, very true. Very true. Um, All right. So uh, what we do know from Scripture is that the image that's in these uh, Genesis passages is not referring to a physical image. You know, we weren't made in the likeness as in God has a photograph of himself and he says, okay, I'm going to make man just like me in that image. That's, that's not what he's referring to. And, and I, I think we can make that uh, assumption because God is spirit. God is not uh, a physical uh, being. And if he's going to say, well, then we would be spirit, right? If, if, if it was in a physical way. Um, and, and since we're on this subject, you know, that, that verse that was up there, Genesis one twenty six. uh, go ahead and put that back up there. Um, isn't it interesting that God said, let us, right? Um, we're told and we read it all throughout the, the new Testament that God is the one true God. And then we read a verse like this that says, let us. And to, to anyone here in the room that, that maybe you're just checking this out and you, you don't have a lot of former learning about biblical things and scriptural things in God, um, there's what, there is what we call the Trinity. Now the term Trinity is not found anywhere in scripture. It's a term that theologians have come up with in order to describe God. He is a triune God. Three in one. And, and several times in scripture, we see this as an example. When Jesus was baptized, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all present at the same moment, yet in different forms, in, in uh, different personalities, we would say. And so, so it's one God, yet three distinct, right? Um, I've often wrestled with this. And I think that that's okay. And I think that we should. I think that we should sit down and we should think, this is how God describes himself because his word was given to us by him. And, and this is how he describes himself and this is who he said he is. And we don't get it and that's okay. Because if we did, if we got it, if we truly understood, if, if we could wrap our hands around God, how big would he be? Not very well, at least my hands, anyway. I have tiny hands. Um, he wouldn't be very big. And, and I think when we talk about the Trinity, we just look at what Scripture says, and this is what it says. It, then God, singular, said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Okay? Uh, keep that up there. So we're made in his likeness. So that what? What does this verse say? What's one of the reasons why we were made in God's likeness? So that we could rule. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought of you being created in that way? Because that's not the message that you get in our culture today. Um, we are not to rule other things. We are to be equal with other things, whether that be animals or, or, or whatever, right? Um, and, and that's an unfortunate uh, conclusion that people draw. We are made in his likeness so that we could rule Um, the first things that God created, specifically in this verse, the animal kingdom. That's what he lists here. So what does it take in order to rule the animal kingdom? What do we need to have 
that's different than the animal kingdom in order for us to rule. And I just came up with a short kind of list. We need to have intelligence. We need to be able to think rationally. We need to be able to love. You know, there are some that say animals love, but I I would beg to differ, actually, even when it comes to Labrador retrievers. Um, It's an an instinct. It's a a learned response. Um, I'm, I'm just not convinced that it's actual love. Um, we need to have compassion. We need to be full of mercy and grace and be able to fellowship and to be able to have friends. Um, are all of those things you think necessary in order for us to rule um, the animals? I, I say yes, 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 and yes. And so the first point in your notes there is that God intended for us to rule over the earth. He did. Um, Genesis 1, 26 descri- describes it. Of course, that ruling, that, that being able to rule over animals is in subordination to God. He is, he is the ultimate head, and we are under him. He has given us that power and, and that ability and really that charge. He put us over things not equal to. You see, you are far, far, far more special than the animal kingdom. Than than any soft, fluffy, white seal. You are more special. God created you differently in his image. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't love and care for the animal kingdom. I'm not, because God put us on the earth to care for it. We, we are to be good stewards of creation. But we are not equal to it. We are not equal to it. Um, God created us in his image so that we could rule. Another outcome of his creating us, the way that he did, is, is value. You see, you having been created in the image of God gives you, you as a human being, specifically you, great value. You have value. You have worth. And there are many messages in the world that try to convince you otherwise. Um, and here's the thing. Um, so, so this is the next point. God created you with special worth. Um, look at Genesis 9, verse 6 again. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. You see, God condemns the, destru- the destruction of life, human life. He condemns it. Why? Because we're special. Because you are valuable. Because you, in the, in the eyes of God, have great worth. Now, we can take that word and we can say, well, I'm not worthy. Yes, that's true. That's true. I'm not. I'm sinful. I'm imperfect. But you have great worth in the eyes of God. He gave you his image. He created you in his likeness. And not only that, but he knew you before the creation of everything. We looked at that several weeks ago. He knew you before the creation of of everything. And he knows you so intimately that he knows how many hairs are on your head. 
And we could include facial hair in that, I think, not just the ones on the top of our head. He knows what you need on a day-to-day basis. Far more than any of the... And, and God, God's word says that he takes care of the sparrows, and if he takes care of the sparrows, you who were created in his likeness, how much more does he care for you? How much more of value, of worth are you? He paid for your sin and for mine by coming down here, incarnate, God with us, Jesus sacrificed so much for you and for me. He died. He submitted himself to death on a cross. He overcame sin and death three days later. Man, what worth? I mean, could you think of anything on the planet that could have more worth than the God of the universe willing to come down and do the only thing that he could possibly do to save you and that be sacrificing his own life? What worth? So God created us with special worth. Now, again, a couple observations here. First of all, if anyone tries to tell you that you're not worth anything, they're full of baloney. Because it's just simply not true. It's not true. And some of us, some of you, may have grown up in a household where that's what you heard. You had, you had selfish parents and, and life was all about them and it wasn't about their children and, and they told you often that you weren't worth anything. Shame on them. Shame on them for that because you are worth so much. You are worth so much. Second uh, observation is this. All human life is valuable and of worth. All of it. Every human being. Every human being. God doesn't say, he who sheds blood of only a healthy person or a born person or a young person or a popular person. It says, whoever sheds human blood, period. Unborn, handicapped, mentally challenged, male, female, of another race or economic status, or even a different viewpoint and ideology, no matter what the age. Assisted suicide? Nope. Abortion? Nope. End of life of terminally ill uh, people with euthanasia? Nope. Muslim or Buddhist or whatever? Nope. So this image that God has created us with isn't something that we lost at the fall. There are some that think, well, maybe this image God gave us when we sinned, we kind of screwed it up and we lost it, and we don't actually somehow get the image back, whatever it is, until salvation. But that's not true because there's no other qualifying statements with this. God says in Genesis 9, 6, which was after the fall, by the way, whoever sheds human blood, period, no qualifiers, So being created in the image of God means that we are like him in some attributes. We, we honestly, we, I don't think, again, just compare yourself to the, to animals. You know what, I, I, this is the simplest way for me to look at it. The things that I am capable of as a human being that are different from the animal kingdom, those 
most likely are attributes of God's likeness that he gave us at creation. Now, of course, we can't be just like him, right? He created us in his image, in his likeness, not as him. You know, we can't become God. God is still God and we are not. He is omniscient, which means he knows everything. We certainly do not, though some of you in here know quite a bit because of those questions that we answered earlier, but you don't know everything. He's omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere and we're certainly not. And Satan is not, I might add. He's not omnipresent. God is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. We are not. God's power is unlimited. Unlimited. He can do anything. Anything. He created out of nothing. Nothing. You ever try that? (laughs) Try as you might. You can't make something from nothing unless you're God. Right? All-powerful, all-present, knows everything. So we do have our limitations, but we have been created by the one. We bear his image. We bear his image. And unfortunately, again, because of sin in our world, our image of ourselves gets screwed up, and we, we don't understand that we bear the image of the creator of the universe. God created you with special worth. And the, uh, and the second question that I want to answer in regards to us being created in, in the image of God is how does that affect our everyday life? What do we do with that? Why does this matter for us to even talk about or even know the answer to? You know, you might be thinking, well, I would feel a whole lot better about myself if I truly understood this and lived my life. Yes, that's true. But again, it's not about me or you. It's about him but it does affect our everyday lives in the way that we think of ourselves. And that is the first subpoint under that second side of your note sheet. We saw in week one of the last series that God created us, God created you to love you. He, he didn't need you. He didn't need me. He created us to love us. So you need to remember that God loves you dearly. In fact, the Bible is very clear. It doesn't matter how bad you and I screw up or have screwed up. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. (laughs) Who does that? Right? I mean, if if I'm experiencing something in a relationship with somebody and it's not good, they're just, you know, um, they're just messing me around. They're manipulating me and all of that. I'm not so inclined to forgive them or to have grace for them because they're doing me wrong right that's not how god operates <laughs> praise jesus while we were yet sinners christ died for us that's how much he loves you and and he created us in his image and you need to know and remember that you are absolutely and unequivocally worth a lot 
And that worth has absolutely nothing to do with what you do on a daily basis. You know, a banker's not worth more than a lawyer, although there are some people that might think that. Right? A janitor is not worth less than a professional basketball player. Now, we get into the comparison thing, right, in our culture in a terrible way. And sometimes we can, we can go down that road. But you need to know and remember that you are absolutely and unequivocally worth a lot. You are of value. In fact, every human being is. But of course, Satan's job, in his mind, Satan's purpose, is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy not just your life, but your view of yourself, your view of God. And he's going to manipulate everything that he possibly can, that he has control over and has power to do, in order for that to occur. Second Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is a statement of value. God values you. You have worth in his eyes. He wouldn't have left heaven to save us if that had not been true. So please remember that. Please remember that. Every day as we live our lives, let's remember that, that we have been created in the image of God. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Uh, Knowing that God created us in his image also affects, number two, how we treat other people. Because if we don't view other people as having been created in the image of God, we are going to think less of them. We are going to judge them more. We are going to think somehow they're not equal to us. Every human being is loved by God. Every one of them. Every one of them. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. So as we interact with people on a daily basis, this includes our own families, people that we don't get along with, our boss, our employees, everyone. Those we have limited contact with, we, we need to simply see them as they are. They are people who have been created in the image of God. Every human life. Even the ones that you don't, disagree, even the ones that you don't agree with. Even the ones that deep down inside you absolutely disdain when you see their picture or see something that they've written. God, they're still created in the image of God. Despite what they have done or have not done in life. Who we are And who those around you are is much more important than what they've done or will ever do. Moms and dads, we need to realize that our children have been created in the image of God. That's not so difficult when they're first born. But the older they get, sometimes, sometimes it can get hard. And we question... um, But but here, let me tell this, this story... Um, because sometimes we can, we can encourage our children and only encourage and celebrate them when they do things. 
when they accomplish things. Well, uh, there's a baseball player by the name of Keith Hernandez. He played most of his career with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think he ended up with the Cleveland Indians, but I'm not sure. But he was one of baseball's top players. In, in fact, he, uh, he, he was a lifetime 300 hitter who has won numerous Golden Glove Awards for excellence in fielding. He's won a batting championship for having the highest average. He was the most valuable player award in his league, and he even won, I believe, the World Series as a team member. Yet with all of his accomplishments, he has missed out on something crucially important to him. And I think that he, if, if he had under, truly understood that he had been created in the image of God, he wouldn't have felt the need to ask the question that he asked. But he asked his dad one day. He was asked about his relationship with his father. And it says this, One day Keith asked his father, Dad, I have a lifetime 300 batting average. What more do you want? And his father replied, and I quote, But someday you're going to look back and say, I could have done more. I could have done more. Really? Fathers, we need to make sure (laughs) that we don't simply value our children for what they can do, but for who they are and for who they're becoming. And, And the the very basis of that is that they were created in the image of God. You could have done more. No, the answer should have been, I don't want you to do anything more. You are my son and I love you. That's what his dad should have said. We just need to stop comparing so much, I think. Of course, this isn't to say that we're going to agree with everyone we run into on a daily basis, right? Um, did, did anyone read, did, did anyone read the, uh, the news this week? <laughs> Anybody see uh, Bernie Sanders' conversation with, uh, with uh, the, uh, let's see, Russell Voigt? I'm going to say Voigt. It might be Vought. Um, who was who's the nominee for the director of the Office of Management and Budget? And uh, this this guy, Voigt, had written an article in defense of Wheaton College. Wheaton College fired somebody for for a, a, for a they fired a political science professor because he didn't agree that Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven, and a Christian college should do that. And, and uh, in, in this conversation, Sanders had the audacity to say that because of the statement that Vought made, and this is the statement, he said, Muslims do not simply have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, I, come to, I, I came to save. Why? We already stand condemned spiritually speaking. And out of some of his next breaths, this, this uh, nominee said, I'm a Christian. Over and over, he said, I'm a Christian. And, I, and, and he's like, but, but, and Bernie Sanders' conclusion was that because you believe this, you can't serve in public office. 
So I vote no. And, and I'm just wondering, well, then who is? Who can serve in public office? Because we all believe things, right? Would he? I'm not going to ask that question. I don't want to make this political, but, but what I, I do want to say is that this, this nominee, this pick, Vout said that he believes in this testimony that he's giving that everyone is created in the image of God. And if Bernie Sanders really knew what that meant, he would not question this guy's ability to serve in public office. Because this guy absolutely believes that everybody is valued, that, that everybody has worth, but not everybody is going to heaven. And that's what he means by condemned. And, and we need to be sure that we answer that question as well for, for ourselves. Because the Bible is very clear. But, but the point of today's message and the worship team can come up as we close this morning. <laughs> you had almost 10 minutes. Weren't expecting that, were you? Every human being on the planet is created in the image of God. And maybe for some of us here this morning, that's something that we need to register and we need to start looking at other people in this way. Maybe for some of us here this morning, you need to see yourself in that way. You need to see yourself as one who has been created in the image of God because you've had the world telling you all along that you're worth nothing, and that's not true. You are worth dying for. And Jesus did. I want to leave you with this, and maybe you just close your eyes and listen to this. This is Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 31, and then we'll take up our offering and close with this song. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the, in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. They will be yours for food. And to all of the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Father, as we live our lives this week, may we live them in connection with you as our Savior, as our Lord. And Father, my prayer for all who are here today and all who are here who will hear this message, that they get just, a, just an even smaller glimpse, if, it, if it's just smaller today, of how they bear your image. You you created us in your likeness. Thank you. Lord, I pray that, that, that with that comes health.
for maybe some folks that weren't thinking so healthy about themselves. And Lord, with that comes mercy and grace and health as we think of other people. Even people that, even people that kill other people, they, you created them in your image as marred and messed up as it is. You died for them just the same. Oh Lord, may we just continue to grow in our relationship with you and understand who we are to you. And now, Lord, as we give of our tithes and our offerings and that which you've blessed us with, we worship you. As we raise our voices for this last song, we worship you. As God alone, as God over all, in Jesus' name, amen.